Shalom and welcome to Am Levadad Yishkon number 21. This will be the second to last podcast in this series. We are currently discussing the idea of Yimota Mashiach, the Messianic era. And last time we discussed the Shita, the opinion of the Ramban. Today we're going to look at the opinion of the Rambam, Maimonides. Our text for this discussion will be uh, the Rambam's Hilchot Melachim, which is the final section of the Rambam's most important work, the Mishneh Torah, the Yad HaZakah. And we'll be looking at the last two chapters, uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12. I'm going to be using the uncensored version of this uh, of this text. The standard printed editions of the Rambam um, in a number of places, including a very important passage in one of uh, in one of these two chapters, have sections that are missing because they were deleted from the printed text out of concern for the uh, or in in response to the demands of the Christian censors. The uncensored editions can be found, first of all, in the Shabtai Frankel edition of the Rambam, as well as another of, number of other more recent editions uh, or on the Internet. In any case, I mentioned last time that I think that the opinion of the Rambam deserves singular attention. Uh, as we will see, we already alluded to this last time, but we'll see it now in greater, in greater detail. Uh, the Rambam has a very different approach to the idea of Mashiach than, than the Ramban does, and, and also different than a number of other important, important Rishonim. Uh, in a certain sense, this is like any other machloket, like any other debate. It has, it's fundamentally a philosophical, hashkafic debate, a question about how one understands, first of all, the psukim, so it really begins as a debate in parshanut, in, in biblical interpretation. Um, it's a philosophical debate in terms of how one understands the idea of the redemption and the messianic era. And as we'll see today, it also has a halachic dimension. And on that level, I think the Rambam deserves special attention because it's my sense that the Rambam's position here, to the extent that it is, uh, has bearing even on halacha, has become accepted by the Jewish people as uh, the normative approach within uh, within within things that are relevant halachically, and for that reason, I think um, that uh, this deserves special attention. And you'll see what I mean, Bezrat Hashem, in a minute. Let's begin from Perak Yud Aleph, chapter eleven of the Rambam Silchot Melachim. He tells us, these are, by the way, the very last two chapters in the entire Mishneh Torah. And the Rambam tells us, HaMelech HaMashiach Atid La'amod U'lehachzir Malchut Beit David Li'yoshna HaMemshala HaRishona U'vonem Mikdash U'mekabetz Nidchei Yisrael. First of all, the Rambam um, lays out uh, a series of, you could call them predictions or statements about what's going to happen in the future. A king... And we saw when we looked at the Psukim in Yeshayahu, for example, it doesn't exactly mention, the prophecy doesn't explicitly mention a king, but it almost explicitly does. Uh, it talks about a descendant of Yeshai, which is a descendant of David, and uh, uses terminology that evokes the image of a, of, a, of a melech of a king. Here the Rambam calls him, based on based on Chazal, HaMelech HaMashiach, and he says that this, this king is going to arise at some point in the future. Uh, he's going to restore the dynasty of the kings of David, of the house of David, and he's going to build the Beit HaMikdash, and he's going to gather in all of the dispersed exiles of the Jewish people. And the Rambam now makes also a halachic statement that when that happens in the future, all of the mitzvot of the Torah 
are going to once again be observed in their full manner, including those laws that we cannot observe properly today. And he mentions explicitly uh, the idea of bringing korbanot, sacrifices of the Beit HaMikdash. He specifically mentions also Shemitah, which we're observing actually right now, but only on the level of a mitzvah de Rabbanan. At that point, Shemitah will be restored in its full form as a mitzvah de Oraita, also Yovel, which we don't observe nowadays at all. And assumedly, these are just examples, but any other mitzvah, the laws of Tumah and Tahara, and anything else that we don't presently have the ability to observe and that isn't presently being followed, at that time will once again be relevant uh, and will be observed. And now the Rambam makes a statement that's relevant halachically, not only in the future, but right now. And he says, V'chol mi she'ino ma'amin bo, o mi she'ino mechakeleviato, lo bish'ar nevi'im bilvad hu kofer, ela batorah uvimoshe rabbeinu. The Rambam says, if anyone doesn't believe in the coming of the Mashiach, or isn't waiting for him to come, We'll come back to those two expressions in a minute. Not only is he a kofer, not only does he deny the truth of all of the prophets who spoke about this, including Yeshayahu we spoke saw last week, and including the other Nevi'im that spoke about this, Yechezkel, and, and many of the Treasar. But also, he denies the Torah itself and, he, and, and the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Sharei ha-Torah alav. Because it, and we alluded to this two weeks ago as well, that the Torah itself testified that that the um, that the Mashiach is going to come. These are psukim that we spoke about, the psukim that discuss the ingathering of the exiles. Uh, and then he continues and says that there are also other places, including the Parsha of Bilam, which we also spoke about, etc. So the Rambam tells us that if somebody who doesn't believe in the coming of the Mashiach, or someone who isn't waiting for the coming of the Mashiach, is a kofer Torah, is denying the Torah, and that of course is a serious uh, violation of, of, the, of the Torah, and therefore it's prohibited. In other words, the Rambam is telling us that we have a halachic obligation to do two things to believe that the Mashiach is going to come and to be waiting for the Mashiach to come. And those are two separate things, uh, or perhaps two different steps. I often, when I teach this in a classroom, uh, in order to explain the difference to my students, I often uh, gesture towards the window if there is one in the classroom. And if we're in a city someplace, there's usually a bus stop somewhere nearby. And I say, um, if you ask me whether... In the next uh, few minutes or few hours, uh, a certain bus from a certain bus line is going to show up at that bus stop. If you ask me, amin, do you believe that that bus is going to appear at that bus stop? I will tell you, yes, I believe the bus is coming. If you would say to me, uh, is it worth waiting for the bus? Do you think, do you think it's going to come? I would say, yes, I believe, I believe it, that the bus is very likely at least going to come. But if you ask me, are you waiting for that bus? It's very clear that I'm not waiting for the bus because if I was, I wouldn't be standing here in the classroom. I would instead be standing outside at the bus stop. I'm not waiting for the bus. I believe the bus is coming, but I'm not waiting for the bus. And the proof of it is that I'm not standing at the bus stop. I'm 
instead inside this classroom. And why am I not waiting for the bus? Because right now, I do not want to go where the bus is going. I want to be here. I have a class to teach. If the bus comes in five minutes, I'm not getting on it because I don't need to go in that direction right now. And if I do, maybe I have a car outside. If I need to go somewhere that that bus is going and I'm willing to pay the fee, then I'm going to be standing at the bus stop waiting for the bus because that's what I need. But right now, I don't need that bus. That bus, I believe it's coming perhaps, but it's not relevant to me that it's coming and therefore I'm not waiting for it. The Rambam tells us, that one must not only believe in the coming of the Mashiach, but one must be waiting for the Mashiach. Metaphorically, you have to be at the bus stop. Now, obviously, if you don't believe the bus is going to come, you're also not going to wait for it. So first of all, a prerequisite is you have to ma'amin, you have to believe. But that's not enough. You also have to be at the bus stop. You also have to feel that this, that this bus, as it were, that's about to come is relevant to me and that I want to go where it's going. And therefore, I'm standing at the bus stop and waiting. And the Rambam tells us that anyone who doesn't fit either of these two categories, anyone who's not at the bus stop because they don't really think the bus is coming, or somebody who even maybe believes the bus is coming but isn't waiting there because they don't really want to get on the bus right now, that person is nothing less than a kofir batorah. That's a very, very powerful statement. That's a very, very strong indictment. And I have often felt, and, and you can think about this and you can decide whether you agree or not, and if you want to discuss it, anyone who hears this is welcome to contact me by email. I would love to hear thoughts on this. But I have the sense that as a result of many, many, many centuries of Galut, and perhaps as a result also of some very, very difficult experiences we've had during the Galut, um, we Torah-observant Jews have sort of developed a kind of unwritten a uh, code of behavior among us. And that is that we pay lip service to the idea that the Mashiach is going to come one day. Um, we talk about it. We sing songs about it. We mention it in our tefillot. We even like to conclude speeches in Divrei Torah with statements like, and in the merit of this, we should be zochet to the coming of Mashiach, and things of that nature. But we don't really deep down believe it. And I think among us, we sort of had this unwritten code that we're all going to just pretend we believe it um, and kind of, as it were, you know, metaphorically also maybe wink at one another, but understand that we don't really, really mean this. Why do I make such a strong, such a strong accusation? Well, for example, consider comments that people sometimes make. Um, like, for example, the statement, uh, what are you waiting for? Mashiach? Assumedly, the answer to that ought to be, actually, yes, aren't you? Or um, or if somebody uh, wants to make a sarcastic comment about something that, uh, that doesn't seem to be happening, you know, someone who is waiting at a bus stop and the bus, uh, and the bus is very, very late might make a comment to the effect of, you know, Mashiach is going to be here before this bus comes. Uh, it's a comment which also seems to belie um, the, the usage of the image of Mashiach coming in that context seems to imply that this is something that probably will never happen, or if it does, is not for a very, 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 very long time. Not a comment made by somebody who's actually waiting for something that one feels is, is if not imminent, that at least possibly may happen in the near future. And if we're going to say you have to wait for something, that has to be. That has to be part of the idea. If I, if I didn't think the bus was going to come for another year... I wouldn't be standing at the bus stop and I wouldn't really be waiting for the bus either. Mm. 
So, what does this mean, and and how, in fact, is one supposed to actually actually fulfill this requirement of really believing that and waiting for the coming of the Mashiach? Well, first of all, let's try to see a little bit in the Rambam what what the Rambam feels the coming of the Mashiach is all about. Um, in Halacha Gimel here, he makes a statement which we um, briefly touched on in last uh, in the last podcast. And here, he, he, let's let's read it a little bit more carefully. Halacha Gimel, the Rambam says, "Al ya'ale al da'atcha, shahamelech hamashiach tzarich lasot ototu moftim, u'mechadesh dvarim ba'olam, o'mechayei meitim, u'chiyotzei b'dvarim elu she'atipshim omrim." The Rambam says, don't think that when the Mashiach comes, that the Melech HaMashiach is going to do all kinds of miracles, miraculous things, change the laws of nature, or even revive the dead. Okay, now the Rambam later on had to, the Rambam was accused after writing this and after certain other things that he wrote, the Rambam was accused of, of not believing in the coming, in, in the, in the resurrection of the dead, not, not believing in Tchiatimetim, and the Rambam wrote an entire letter later on called the Ma'amar Tchiyatamitim or the Yigeret Tchiyatamitim in which he uh, insisted that of course he believes that the uh, that the dead people will be resurrected. But that is not directly connected with the coming of the Mashiach. That is some future event that is unconnected with what the Rambam is talking about here and not something that the Melech HaMashiach himself is going to do. Uh, we're going to come back to this continuation of this Halacha in a minute but if we just skip for a moment to the beginning of the 12th chapter of the Rambam, he elaborates on this point further. And he says, in the beginning of Perak Yud Bet, Al ya'ale al halev, do not think, Shebimot ha-Mashiach yevatel davar mimin ha-goshel olam, o yesham chidush b'maaseh breshit. Don't think that when Mashiach comes, not only is the Mashiach himself not going to do miracles, but don't think that anything to do with the way the world works um, is going to change. Or that there'll be any change in the in the laws of nature. Ela olam kiminhago no heg, holech. The world is going to follow to go about its its regular business. Everything's going to be exactly as it is now when Mashiach comes. Ah, but v'zeh shenemar biyishaya. We talked last time about the psukim in the Navi Yishaya where he says v'gar zeivim keves v'namerim gedir bats, where he talks about the wolf living with the sheep. And the tiger with the goat, and we saw that there are some who, who understand that literally. Here the Rambam says, as we mentioned last time, that's mashal v'chida. That is simply a metaphor, a parable, an allegory. And he explains, as we said last time, that this is uh, meant to be a metaphor for the relationship of the nations of the world with one another, and particularly with Am Yisrael, that there'll be peace on earth. It's describing a political historical development, but not a change in the laws of nature. And if you put an actual wolf with an actual sheep in the same cage, don't expect to find the sheep there alive in the morning, even in Yimot Mashiach. And in Halacha Bet, he continues, Amruch HaChamim, Ein Bein HaOlam Azel Yimot HaMashiach, Ela Shiabud Malchuyot Bilvad. The only difference between the world as we know it now, and the coming of the Mashiach, and the world that will exist afterwards, is what he calls Shiabud Malchuyot, which again is a political historical development. That's going to change. There will no longer be wars. There will no longer be conflicts among people. All of the world will recognize the truth of God, the truth of the Torah, and the historic mission of Am Yisrael. And as Yishayahu and Avi tells us, the people will line up behind Am Yisrael, as it were, 
come together to Yerushalayim figuratively and probably literally as well and say, Lechu v'nealei alahar Hashem el Beit elokei Yaakov v'yoreinu midracha v'neelcha b'yorchotav. We want to learn the Torah, we want to follow the ways of God. Ki mitzion teitzei Torah u'dvar Hashem Yerushalayim. The word of God will go out to the entire world. The world will be filled with the knowledge of God. And because of that, there won't be any wars. But, that's talking about a change in the way people interact with one another. Nothing supernatural, no change in the very basic nature of humans. We're not talking here about something like the Orlat Halev that the Ramban understood, a removal of the Yitzhahara, a restoration of a world where people walk around naked as they did in Gan Eden without any negative effects of that. We're not talking about uh, a situation where animals that don't attack one another in the normal way. And we're not talking about uh, a resurrection of the dead at this point. We're talking about a world that externally and physically, and even psychologically, is the same as this world, but that's different spiritually because of a change in human behavior and a change in the development of nations and in history. And then the Rambam, uh, maybe we'll come back to, uh, no, let's read this now. The Rambam then continues and says, the Rambam says there are many things that one might um, understand from the psukim, uh, from the prophecies and from the statements of Chazal, but the truth is, the details of exactly how this is going to happen, nobody really understands. We discussed this also last time, that even the prophets themselves didn't understand their own prophecies completely, and even the rabbis in the Talmud didn't have a specific tradition on these matters. They were simply expressing their attempts to try to understand what it says in the Navi. But don't worry about that, says the Rambam. The Rambam says, it doesn't really matter because the specific details are not so important. The Rambam says it doesn't really matter if we don't understand the details. You don't have to get involved in that. You don't have to spend a lot of time studying these things. It's not really important. Don't make this a major focus of your study to try to understand exactly what's going to happen when Mashiach comes and which thing is going to happen first and which thing is going to happen second. That's not relevant. It's not very important. It doesn't bring you not to the love of God and not to the fear of God. And also... Don't try to figure out when the Mashiach is going to come. So what should you do? Allah, and here at, towards the very end of this discussion, he uses the same two expressions used at the beginning. He should wait and believe in the, in the, in the fundamental concept. So let's, before returning to that halacha that we stopped in the middle of before, let's just try to map out what the Rambam has said to us until now. First of all, he told us that the Mashiach is going to come and that the Mashiach is going to do certain basic things. He's going to 
Um, we'll see a few more things in a minute, but he's going to restore the Davidic dynasty. That means he's going to be a Melech. He's going to be king who rules over us. Assumably, he himself will be a descendant of David, and therefore, by doing so, he's going to restore the throne of David and Melech. Just as during the time of the first Beit HaMikdash, for several hundred years, there was a king sitting on a throne in Yerushalayim who was a descendant of David, that's going to happen again. Uh, the, 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 the dynasty of David Melech truly is eternal, even if right now there's been a bit of a break for about two and a half thousand years, and there hasn't been a king sitting on the throne, but the throne is still there, metaphorically, of course, and the king is still around. There has to be, if, if in the future there'll be a king from the house of David, so there has to be, and every generation there have to be people, uh, men, actually, from that dynasty who could have children who could continue the dynasty, and it's just a matter of one of those people uh, arising to the throne and once again, um, assuming that position, he's going to build the Beit Hamikdash. He's going to bring all of the Jews back to Eretz Israel. He's going to bring about um, uh, uh, a series of events that's going to result in the restoration of all of the mitzvot of the Torah, and that this is all going to happen in a natural way, without any miracles. There aren't going to be any supernatural occurrences, at least not at this stage. In the future. At the end of time, some kind of a resurrection of the dead, yes. But the coming of the Mashiach happens not supernaturally, but through natural historic processes. And even after the Mashiach comes, Olam Kimin Hago Holech, the world continues uh, to follow uh, in the in the same ways and to operate according to the same principles that it has until now. Um, and the only difference is Ein Bein Olam Mashiach Ella Shiabud Malchuyot Bilvad. Um, only, only the, um, only the, uh, so to speak, the subjugation of the kingdoms and uh, the change in the political order of the world. And we don't have to know the details beyond that. And anything else that happens, we'll find out. And all we have to do is believe and wait. But, of course, this leads to a significant problem. See, if one believes that the Mashiach is going to ha- come in a supernatural way, that it's going to happen perhaps instantaneously, um, and that the world is going to change to the point of being unrecognizable when the Mashiach comes, then we know exactly how to know when the Mashiach is here and when it's not. Um, as long as the world hasn't changed irretrievably, as long as the, or unrecognizably, as long as there's no Beit HaMikdash, as long as all, some of the Jews are in Chutzlat, the Mashiach's not here. But if the Rambam is describing a situation where this is going to be a natural historic process, first of all, that's brought about by human beings acting in a natural way without miracles, and assumedly one that's going to happen not in an instant, but as a process that takes time to develop, then how are we to know when it's the real thing, how are we to tell a truth from a falsehood? How do we know who's really the Mashiach and who might just be an imposter? That's the question that's necessitated only because the Rambam took the position he took. Had the Rambam taken the position of the Ramban or even some of the more extreme formulations that you find, that this is all going to be some kind of supernatural, miraculous occurrence, then one wouldn't need to ask this question. But if you take the Rambam's position, then it is an urgent question to be answered, how are we going to know when the Mashiach is really here? Or at least when the Mashiach is, is in the process of coming. So now let's go back to Perak Yud Aleph, to chapter 11, to that middle of Halacha Gimel, where we left off. And 
Um, let's you know. Let's read it again from the beginning. Al yaalel datcha shemelech hamashiach tzarich lasot ototu muftim umichadesh tvarim baolam umichayem itim michayot seid bedvarim elish hatip shimomrim. Don't believe all those things that stupid people, foolish people think that the Mashiach is going to come miraculously and that there's going to be dead people coming back to life and and all kinds of miracles. That's foolish and it's not true. Ain hadavar king. The Rambam says that's not correct and I'll prove it to you. What's his proof? He gives a fascinating proof. Shaharei Rabbi Akiva Chacham Gadol Mi Mishnah Haya. We all know that Rabbi Akiva was one of the greatest Chachamim, one of the greatest wise people in the time of the Mishnah. Vehu Haya Nosei Kelav Shel Ben Kozi Bahamelech. Vehu Haya Omer Alav Shu Amelech Hamashiach. Vedima Hu Vechol Chachmei Doro Shehu Amelech Hamashiach Ad Sheneherag Ba'avonot. The Rambam brings a fascinating uh, argument in support of his position that the Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. What's his proof? He says, we know that Rabbi Akiva was one of the greatest Chachamim we ever had, one of the greatest rabbis in the time of the Mishnah. We also know historically, and we know this also from sources in the in the Talmud Yerushalmi, that Rabbi Akiva was a supporter of Bar Kochba, Shimon Bar Kochba, Shimon Ben Koziva, who rebelled against the Romans in the second century of the Common Era and tried to overthrow Roman rule about 60-something years after the second Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, and that his goal, of course, was to drive the Romans out and to start an independent kingdom and ultimately to bring, to build the third Beit HaMikdash. And Rabbi Akiva believed that Bar Kochba himself was the Mashiach. Not only Rabbi Akiva, but many others. The Ramam says here, Kochoch Doro, all the others of that generation. It, truth is, it wasn't all. There was a debate back then, but many others following the lead of Rabbi Akiva supported Bar Kochba. Eventually, they found out that Bar Kokhba wasn't the Mashiach. When did they find that out? When he ultimately was killed. The Rambam writes, Ba'avonot, due to the sins of the generation. He was killed. Once he was killed and he hadn't finished the job, he didn't. He started the job. He rebelled against the Romans. Uh, a rebellion that at one point looked like it might be successful. He even, even began minting his own coins, which is a sign of, uh, sovereignty. And for a couple of years, it looked like maybe, 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 this rebellion was going to succeed, but unfortunately, as we know, the Romans came in with a very strong military force and ultimately completely, completely quashed the rebellion and punished the Jews even more and turned Jerusalem into a pagan city, etc. But un- until that happened, they didn't know. And, um, and no one asked, no one asked them for a proof. And the Rambam says, that, um, therefore, and so no one ever asked Bar Kokhba to do miracles. If I'm wrong, says the Rambam, if the Mashiach has to do miracles, then they would have asked Bar Kokhba to do some miracles, and they didn't do that. So therefore, um, how, um, therefore it proves to us that the uh, Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. Now this is fascinating, because if you think about it, Rabbi Akiva, it seems in the end, was wrong. <laughs> Rabbi Akiva thought Bar Kokhba was the Mashiach. It turned out he wasn't. Nevertheless, the Rambam says that this proves that the Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. And then the Rambam goes on and makes an even more interesting statement. In Halacha Dawud he says, Ve'im ya'amod melech mi beit David, hogeh batorah v'oseg b'mitzvot k'david aviv, k'fi Torah shebikta v'she b'alpeh. Rabbi 
וניצח כל האומות שסביביו, ובנה מקדש במקומו וקיבץ נדחי ישראל, הרי זה משיח בוודאי. The Rambam says, I'll tell you how you know if the Mashiach is here or not. But it's a two-step process. He says, if a king arises, and that king is from the house of David, he's Hogeba Torah, he's a Torah scholar, he's not an ignorant person, and he is a religious person, David Aviv, a fitting, a fitting successor for David Amelech, his ancestor. And he follows not only the written Torah, but also the oral Torah. In other words, he's not a, a Christian, and he's not a Tzeduki, he's not a Karai, he doesn't follow one of the splinter groups that, uh, that maybe originally claimed to be Jewish, but didn't follow the authentic tradition. No, he actually does follow the authentic tradition. And he uses his authority as a king to enforce the Torah and to get the Jewish people to return to the, uh, to the observance of the Torah. And he fights wars on behalf of God. Then he's Bechezkat Shehu Mashiach. Then he has a Chazaka. He can be presumed, and that's a halachic category, to be the Mashiach. Presumed means, I don't know for a fact, and it could yet turn out to be wrong, but until I know otherwise, I have to assume that he's the Mashiach. Where did the Rambam get that from? It's very clear from the context where he got it from. That's Bar Kochba. In other words, that's what Rabbi Akiva saw. And the Rambam says, if you see what Rabbi Akiva saw, you see a king who's taking these initial steps and seems to fit the pattern, then you should assume, as Rabbi Akiva did, that he's the Mashiach, and act accordingly, as Rabbi Akiva did by supporting the rebellion and telling everyone to follow him. Even though you know that it's not 100% yet, and it may turn out not to be. When will you be sure? The Rambam continues. If he continues and succeeds in his mission, he fights those wars and he succeeds, he defeats all his enemies. If he succeeds, wins all the wars, brings all the Jews back to Israel and builds the third Beit HaMikdash, then it's no longer a chazaka, then it's no longer an assumption, but actually it's, a, it's an absolute fact. But if he doesn't succeed to this point, or if he's killed, as Bar Kochba was, then I'm going to stop here in the middle of the sentence. I'll just say that the Rambam says that if he was killed or he dies before succeeding his mission, in his mission, if he fails, then you'll realize retroactively that even though you assumed he was probably the Mashiach and you acted accordingly and you were correct to do so as Rabbi Akiva was, you now know that in fact, as Rabbi Akiva ultimately realized, this was not the real thing. It only appeared to be and this was just a great king who did wonderful things and, and tried his best. But history is not reaching its conclusion and... Um, we have to still continue to go back to where we were, which is to believe in the future coming the Mashiach and to be waiting for him. At this point is the beginning of the censored passage of the Rambam. We're out of time, so we'll do that next time in our final, in our final podcast. Um, we'll see the conclusions that the Rambam draws from this, uh, from this situation. And, uh, from that, we'll try to tie together everything we've said in all 22 it'll be of these, uh, of these podcasts and try to draw some at least tentative conclusions from everything we've done. That will take place, Bezrat Hashem, next week. Until then, I wish you shalom.